0: This is Hungry Gen podcast and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. When Denise and I planted our third church, about a third church I think in San Luis Obispo in California, uh, we were about 40 so it was about a year ago um <laughs> And uh, it was a beautiful church. It was uh, the morning service had a, about 100 people similar to your age, young families, a little bit older families. And then we started to win the campus. We started to win young people. God put on our heart that we were to go for the next generation, the next, the next, the next. And we grew that church. Well, God actually grew the church to, uh, to have about four to 500 young people so our morning service was about 100 and our evening services were up to about 500 in them. And it was exciting. It was dynamic. I mean, we were a vineyard. We were into the supernatural. We saw deliverance. We saw signs and wonders. We saw healing. The presence and the power of God was so amazing. It was who we were. For those of you that knew the vineyard, our worship was off the scale. People were coming from everywhere because there were no churches in that area in those days that were focused in that way. Nobody had young people. When I asked the church, when we took over, where where are the young people? And they just said, we don't know where they are. And I, I was like, but there, there are the strength and the future of what we're meant to build our church on. And so we began to reinforce our church with young leaders and and so forth. But there came a moment where Denise and I began to feel a shift in our hearts. We had a beautiful crowd. You understand? But we realized there was more. That they weren't at the level of the church that we began to see in the Acts of the Apostles. And quite often we think when we look at Acts of Apostles that it's all about signs and wonders. You know, the power and the demonstration. But they were devoted to things that we don't necessarily see today in the church in the West. And so we began to get hungry. Talk about hungry, Jen, right? We began to get hungry for another kind of Christian. Let me just say it that way. We, we saw so many people coming for prayer every week. They would come to the altar. They would say, give me a word from God. Pray for this problem. We pray for this. We pray for them, but they would come week after week, the same ones over and over. And we were like, Lord, what is it? And then God began to show us that the that they had not been formed in Jesus Christ, that the character, their nature... They had not been born into the things of Christ. They were born again. And you can be born again and invite Jesus into your life and, and uh, receive His grace and your spirit can become born again and you become alive to God. But you can never progress into the things of the kingdom. You can never really be born into the dimensions that, and the blessings and the life and the character of Jesus Christ. And so our lives are always like we're looking through a glass. We never really enter into it. So some of us are like breach birth, you know, we never really get born properly. And some of us, I mentioned in the first, it We're like, we need a C-section to be born. You know, we like rip that baby out of there. Let's get that baby born. So I want to talk to you today about mobilization. That's the first word I want you to think about. And God began to speak to us and said, Terry, your church has not been mobilized into the purposes of God. Your church is not living for God's purposes. It's like, do you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? And, you know, they were there, they were hungry, they came for the bread, they came for the miracles. And uh, God said, Terry, your church is a little bit like that. But do you remember what happened after the 5,000? Jesus said, I am the true bread and those who want to be my disciples need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, think about it. Jesus' church went from 5,000 to 12 in one sermon. Think about that. 5,000 people were following him and they all said to him, this teaching is way, way too hard for us. What does it mean to drink the blood of Jesus? Partake of his body means to become one in every single thing about Jesus. We talk about, hey, we want to be like Jesus. That, you don't know if you want to be like Jesus. We think that's a very romantic. You know, Jesus laid down his life for people that hated him. He gave up everything. He gave up all of His glory for people who would treat Him in the, step on Him in the dirt and spit on Him and crucify Him. To be like Jesus was to devote your life to 12 people so that they would touch the world. I mean, His obedience, His yielding, His prayer life, His submission to the Father. To be like Jesus is next level. And we wonder why we don't have such a deep relationship with the Lord is why, because we're not following after the purposes of God. Our life is formed and shaped around our purposes. Now, if you wanna be really honest with yourself, and I'm gonna ask you to be honest, okay? It's not for me, it's not for Pastor Vlad, it's not for Hungry Jen, it's not for the person next to you. It's between you and God, right? I want you to be honest with yourself today. Are you living with a passion for the purposes of God? That your whole life, your family, your job, your finances, your time, your evenings, your private life is devoted and centered around learning to do and to become and to fulfill the purposes of God. And God is speaking to leaders today. He's speaking to pastors, and that's what I love about your pastors. That's why I want to be friends. It's because our church, when we began to speak to our young people, our, all of our church, our church went from five, 600 people to 250. When we said, we want to go to the next level, we want to form characters, we want to form the character of Christ in you. We want you to be born into the ministry of Jesus. People were like, this is too hard. We're only here for the bread. Give us some bread. Give us some sweet bread. Give us some sweet (laughs) cornbread. We're American. Come on, hey, we're here, right? My accent's a bit weird, but I am an American citizen. Believe me, me. In fact, most of you, I'm looking out there, are y'all American here? (laughs) We're American, right? But we have this Western mindset. And the mindset is, if it's hard, it's from God, it's from the devil. If it's, hard, if it's not comfortable, it must be from the devil. So a church to grow to go to the next level, everybody has to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your life on the altar if you want to walk where Jesus walks. If you're saying, I don't experience the presence of God that much, maybe you're not walking where Jesus is walking. Maybe you've buried the Lord and He wants to be resurrected in your life. So I want to just speak to you about a few things. I've got a little time because there's so much to do and I'm going to go for it. Are you ready? Put your seatbelt on. All right, let's do it. The first thing is that I wanna talk to you from John chapter three, very famous. We all believe we understand this verse, but I'm gonna open it up a bit. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse five, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Very key verse. We don't preach this part. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. So Jesus is saying you have to be born into his kingdom, born into his authority, born under his power and rulership before you can see and enter into. So if we're not willing to be born into obedience, born into yielding, born into, you know, birthed into yielding our life completely, we cannot see certain things. We cannot enter into things. Many of us have not really, we're born again, our spirits are born again, but we've not been born into ministry, the ministry of Jesus. We're still on the outside. We're still looking in. Some of us have not been born into discipleship. We're still sitting back saying, well, Lord, one day I'll give you my life completely when I have a, a little bit more time or when my kids are grown up or, or when I finish my my youth, you know, I'll give it to you then, right? So there are things, he says, you cannot enter. And in verse eight is the key. The wind, speaking about the Holy Spirit, blows, moves, has control has authority wherever it pleases, so it is with everyone who's born again. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is in your life, you do not own your life. Wherever God wants to go, you have to go. Wherever the Holy Spirit blows, you have to blow. If he says Pasco in the winter is where you're gonna live, sorry baby. You know how many young people, they, they go to college where we're living and, and I say, oh great, you've been with us for four years. They say, yeah, i got a job in LA. I'm going to LA now. I'm like, w- when did the Lord tell you that? And they look at me like, what? The Lord, who's He? I'm like, you're moving a whole city. You're moving your life, your job, your focus, everything about you. And it's because you got a job opportunity? And they're like, well, I prayed if God gives me the job, you know, it's mine. No, the enemy can give you plenty of jobs. So you're not born into obedience. You're not born into yielding so that wherever the Holy Spirit blows in your life or goes, you're obedient, right? You're not mobilizing your life according to God's purpose. And what I, you know, for churches to go to the next level, they have to start mobilizing their team, their pastor, their leaders, their people, their youth, their children's work according to God's purposes. We're going to look at what they are. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Think, ask yourself, why do I come to church? Look at your wife or your husband and say, why do we come to church? I mean, a lot of people come because it's, This is what we do. I did it since I was a kid. If I don't come, the Lord's going to strike me with lightning. You know, it's just... But I don't know about you, but I come to church, my wife and I, my family, for the purposes of God, so that we can learn the purposes of God, that we can be taught the purposes, so that we can do the purposes together. I don't want to come to church and listen to something and then leave and go, that was good, or was it? How many marks did, did we give Vlad out of 10 this week? That's not why you come to church. You come to church to ask him, teach me the purposes of God so that when I stand before God on that day, he will say, what were you, did you do with the life that I gave you? Okay, so the number one purpose, the number one purpose that you should be focusing and devoting your life to is that, number one, you should be born into worship. Born, many people are not born into worship. Many people, when it's time for worship, are just standing. They're looking. The band is good. What's his, what shoes is he wearing this week? We're not in worship let me read a scripture to you. In Revelation chapter 4:11, "For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased." We've been created for the pleasure of God. You have been created for the pleasure of God. You did not create God for your pleasure. And many in the West we believe that God exists for us. Is it true? Come on, think about your life. God, when are you going to do this? Lord, I want a better job. Lord, I want an increase. I want a Tesla. Amen. (laughs) Just saying. Of course we do. Lord, I want the best wife. I want the best kids. God, you were created to be a blessing to me. Of course God wants to bless us. But there's a two-way partnership here, right? right? God has created us so that we would be born into all of His realm, all of His dimensions, all of His blessings, but also all of His requirements that we would partner with Him together. We are um, the inheritance of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus So you've been created. Now, I want to speak to you about worship, your devotional life. You cannot build a great family. You cannot build a great life. You cannot build um, a great church or a great leadership if the spiritual level of your life is not high. You can be prayed for a 100,000 times, and I have been. But unless you're born into worship, unless you're born into devotion, unless you're passionate to be in the presence of God all day, when, I, when you think about your prayer life, uh, let me just challenge your mind right now. What does it look like? Honestly, you have the relationship you want with Jesus. If you want it to be good, it'll be good but you have to be intentional. You have to motivate. You have to mobilize your life into God's purpose. And His number one purpose is that you would be one with Him, that He would say, I know you. I knew you. We're one together. Denise and I have paid a heavy price. Since we've been uh, born again together and have been married for 43, 4 years, we've worked really hard to develop our prayer life. To develop a prayer life is very, very difficult. You have to die. You have to sacrifice. We get up at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock every day. We never used to way back, but now we do. It's a sacrifice. But if you want Jesus, where is Jesus? In the midst of a noise, the family, the 15 kids, the four kids, the everything... How are you going to find Jesus? We have a lot of arguments. I'm super busy, Pastor. You don't know I have three jobs. God didn't tell you to have three jobs. That's your argument, not the Lord's. Lord, I have eight kids. How am I meant to How am I meant to have a prayer life? I feel for you, girls, honestly, with all my heart. But you do have to know the Lord didn't tell you to have eight kids. You know, so. it's a fact. You cannot use, He gave them to you because you prayed for them. But now this is your life. Okay, you're like, wow. And you guys who are married, you know, you're like, I, I'm married. I have to serve my husband. God didn't tell you to get married. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul said, don't get married so you can actually fulfill and mobilize your life around the purposes of God, right? so we have a lot of arguments I have three jobs I'm married I have 28 kids (laughs) and God's like you chose it I blessed you with and I answered your prayers but now where are you? I feel for you moms honestly because your husband's asleep most of the time when you're taking care of the kids you're on your own but you can find a way and Denise and I used to always go to bed late I was a late guy how many of you are late nighters? What an amazing excuse. Hey, hey, Lord, I'm a late-nighter. I cannot get up at 3 or 4 in the morning. It's it's just not who I am. Well, the Lord spoke to me about that and said, I never made you a (laughs) late-nighter. You like the late-night life, buddy. You're the one that chose the late-night. And I mean, you know, hey, hey, it suits my style and my nature. You know, I just like to be cool late at night. No, it's dangerous. So now we go to bed at 8.30. Wait a minute, 8.30? Nobody cool goes to bed at 8.30. Am I right? I mean, only boring people go to bed at 8.30. Old people go to bed at 8.30, right? Or something, or moms that are exhausted. But if you want to meet with Jesus when nobody's around, no kids are screaming, do something, That's all I'm saying. But get close to Jesus. Amen. The second thing you need to mobilize your life around, you need to be born into God's family. So many believers are not part of God's family. Yeah. They go to church, but they bolt for the door lightning speed. You don't know them, you don't see them, because they don't, they're not known. They're not part of the family. And we, you know, we think about it. Your family at home is so important to you, right? But you know the American family? The American, one of their number one idols is their family. We hide behind our family. We use it as an excuse. I can't serve God. I have a family. They they have soccer. They have swimming. They have volleyball. They have football. I mean, hey, a lot of moms are called soccer moms. What about Jesus moms? You know what I'm just saying? (laughs) I don't want to be known to be a soccer dad. Listen, I appreciate you give your life to your family. And of course you are. And you have to be responsible. Of course. But when you stand and say, God, my family is more important than you. This is the real family of God. This is your eternal family. You worship your family. Look, I, I live in California. As you know, it's very Latino based. My church is 95% Latinos, right? And I'm the, Denise and I are one of the few pale skinned gringos that are still in existence there. (laughs) But we are (laughs) there. Oh dear. (laughs) Denise and I have, how many cousins do you have? Two? I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know who my cousins are, right? I mean, that's us gringos, right? We're just like there. But Latinos, they have like 50, 60 cousins. Am I right? Come on, you guys know what family's all about. So on Sunday, I say to some of my young disciples, you haven't been around for the last three weeks. Pastor, mi familia. What do you mean your family? Well, my cousin came to town. Okay, your cousin came to town. Well, you know, it's tradition in Latino families. If your cousin comes to town, there's a party and everyone has to. I'm like, so you don't come to church because your cousin came to town? I'm like, so for the next 40 to 50 weeks, you're going to not be coming to church because your cousins are going to be coming to town? You see, this is what you should say to your cousin. Come visit my family but between 8 and 10 on a Sunday morning. You cannot find me. I'll be at church worshiping the Lord. You can come with me, but I'm not going to hang out with you while we eat tacos. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, for some of you, you're like, whatever, pastor. (laughs) I know, because you're like, no, 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 don't buy into that. It's a fact. You can miss the purposes of God. Because you're focused on things that are not eternal. You're not focused on being and giving and being born into the family. This family, look, the Lord said, you shall hate your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters. You love them more than me. You're not worthy to be my disciple. I have things that you can enter that you need to be born into that you need to see. You're not birthed into the family of God. And I reserve some of my blessings and favor and presence and revelation for when you're part of the family of God. I'm just saying that's a fact. A lot of you like my relationship with the Lord is thin because you're not in his family. You're not worshiping, you're not praying. It's a price. I told you there was a sacrifice. Number three, wow, time runs when you're preaching good. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't preaching good in the first service. I was so nervous. I was like, man, I'm in Pastor Vlad's church. It's so freaky here. I was like, maybe he's looking at me. He's going to cast out a demon while I'm preaching. I'm like, man, I won't look good in front of the cameras. But now I feel good because he let me go through the first service without casting a demon out of me. I'm good. I love that. All right, number three, born to be a disciple, right? Born to be a disciple. Are you a disciple? Do you know what a disciple really, really, really is? Woo! That's that's all in. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Ouch. Ouch. And take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. There's a principle. If you give whatever you lay down before God, He's going to bless your life. But you have to deny yourself. You, some of you are not born into obedience you're still struggling and arguing with the Lord about stuff in your life, your secret life, your, your private thoughts, your dreams. You don't want to subject them to the Lord. I'm going to just quickly tell you a quick story about my daughter. She grew up in my house, pastor's daughter, but she was a professional, professional pastor's daughter, professional Christian. Many of you here would identify with her. We show up, we've been dragged to church by our mother and our grandmother for the last 30 years. But we're just here. We do it, but we're not in. My daughter was not saved, and I knew it. My wife used to say to me, oh, leave her, she's good, she's gonna." I'm like, no, this girl does not know Jesus. So by the time she was 14, now I'm confronting her like, wow. And I don't mean badly. I mean, we love, I mean, there's no one... Amazing our relationship. But I went after her. I pursued her like the Father pursued me. And I told her, You don't know the Lord. She would weep and she would cry, said Whatever, I've been coming to church. I was born in your family, of course. I worship, I wave my hands, I jump at the right time. But in her heart, she was not a disciple. She had a different plan. She was waiting until She was 18, 19, she would go to college in San Diego, and then she would just believe on the side, bless her little heart, but really fulfill her dreams. And then one day, when she was about 16, I made a decision, right? It's a make or break time. It's a make or break time in my relationship so much so that I was willing to sacrifice everything. If this went wrong, I would maybe lose my relationship with my daughter. And I confronted her and and we got to that point where we were sitting on my bed for a couple of hours and I asked her, what is it that's holding you back? She said, my dreams. I have seen the way the Lord has worked in your life, mom, dad, dad. How you've suffered for Jesus, how you've given up your life, you gave up your money, you gave up being in whatever country you've suffered. People have said things against you, lied to you, and I don't want to go through that. I do not want to make that kind of sacrifice. And I said, honey, I understand. She said, I have dreams. I've had dreams as a little girl. I want a big, beautiful house. Any of you have seen Father of the Bride? You remember that big, beautiful house full of roses and everything? She wanted a house like that, a beautiful husband and a beautiful kids with no one hassling her. And she came to that point together where she put her dreams in her hand. And she said, Lord, I give you my dreams. And I trust that your dream is better for me I choose to become your disciple, and within that week, over that week, she really came to Jesus at an encounter weekend and laid her life down. She cried for a week. She came to Jesus. She became his disciple. She denied her future. She denied anything and everything for the sake of Jesus. And I'm so grateful. These days she's pastoring a church with her husband. beautiful church. a wonderful church. I'm not saying that all of your kids are meant to be pastors. No, I am saying all of your kids are meant to be pastors. Uh, All I'm saying is is that don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on your family. Pursue your children. But if you're not a disciple, they will not follow you. You cannot ask your children to be that which you're not willing to do yourself, okay? If you're not praying, if you're not in the family, if you're not modeling it, don't let your kids say, my parents lived two lives, one at church and one at home. Don't let them say that. Okay? So if we want to go to the next level, if, if Hungry Jen, and God has set Hungry Jen up to go to the next level, by the way. This church is ready to go. This church is ready to impact this city, okay? That's the difference. So number four, are we late? Are we good? Born to serve God. We got at least another hour, right? Just kidding. Yeah. Born to serve God. You have been born to serve God, but have you been born and birthed into the ministry of Jesus? You say, yeah, well, I, I kind of do parking duties. Well, okay. I love you. I play the guitar. Okay, good. But there's more. God has higher things for you. Those are good things, and we do those things. But God has called you to be a priest and a king, to rule under the God's authority, impact your city. Let's read a scripture in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. This is about us now and in the future They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. They're speaking about Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? He was slain and with your blood, you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Wow, so much there. You could preach a year on this. God has purchased you. Many of you have an argument about that. God, Jesus laid his life down for you. It's sealed. He's purchased you. You are now owned. You belong to God. You cannot bargain with God about your life. You can't negotiate about where you go, who you live with, what job you do, all of, all of your future, it all belongs to God. Now, if you have an argument about that, you're gonna be stuck in, in your relationship with the Lord. You will not be able to move on to the next level until that argument, that stronghold in your mind and in your heart and in your will is broken, okay? He says, "You, God has called you and made you a kingdom and priest's. In another translation, there is, he's made you to be a king and a priest. A king is a ruler, he's the salt, he's the light, he impacts, he changes things around him, he sets the culture. Okay, a king has authority over the dark world. We are the representation of the Son of God on earth, right? You've made them to be a kingdom and priests. So priests serve at the altar of God. They serve in the house of the Lord so that others can be blessed to serve God and they will reign on the earth. So now, I want to talk to you about being a priest. God has saved us to be priestly families. And I want you parents to think about your family. Is your family a priestly family? Now you raise up sons and daughters, priestly sons and daughters, right? What does that look like? I fought for my children. They're both pastors right now. They're both are very, very fruitful. It was hard. It was a battle. We came against demonic forces. We came against everything. From when they were born, there were prophetic words over their life. But from the time they were born, the enemy tried to steal them out. They wanted to do other things. And I want to say to you parents who have young children, some of you may be here, but I've heard people say this. Oh, I don't know if I want to force my children to come to church. And I say, what? What? Are you seriously saying that to me? Well, she's 13 and 14 and I don't wanna I wanna be an American. I wanna be Western in my my thinking, not biblical. I, I want them to think through their future and kind of figure life out. I'm like, are you serious? You're telling me a 13-year-old knows what they're doing? Your 14-year-old, your 18-year-old, your 22-year-old really knows what they're doing in this life. They can figure life out. That's why they're all in pornography. That's why we're in this gender world right now. Come on, let's just be real. This is why we have a problem because the parents have gone, sure. My kids... I don't want to go to church. You will go to church. As long as you're under my house and I feed you and I pay for you until that day when you can leave. But until that day, you get to church. It's non-negotiable. You parents, your kids need leadership. There's no leadership in the world. It's demonic leadership. You need to lead your kids and it's a battle. Your kids are being fought over by the enemy and you need to win. Don't get, you, fathers, you need to be a father. Sometimes the mama, oh, she's okay, she's okay. No, you fight for your children. You become a priestly family You not only raise sons and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters in the faith, but now you teach them to become fathers and mothers in the faith. You know what's missing in the church today, the number one thing? Fathers and mothers in in the church, spiritual fathers and mothers, leaders to lead this generation. But I know many of you are applauding, but are you a father and a mother in this church? Are you a father and a mother? Are you raising? Do you have fruit? Do you have disciples? You see, that's what a father and a mother does. They bear fruit. They raise them to multiply, to become all that Jesus is. We're not just facilitators. We're not just enablers. We are world changers. And it starts in our house and we gotta go for it. And I wanna encourage you, it's not too late. It's not too late. And so when I look in the church, Pastor Vlad, the number one thing that I grieve over in America, there are very few men, very few men who want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That if it wasn't for the women, our churches in America would not exist. I'm telling you, that may be hard for some of you guys. In my church... Most of the young people that we have, we ask them, tell me about your father. I was praying for a young man the other day. Tell me about your father. He said, which one? I said, how many have you had? He said, five. I said, how did you come here? My mother. My mother. My mother, broken. You know what? We need men to rise up become leaders, to take their place in the house of God, in the kingdom of God, to become real kings, to lead their wives, to lead their children, to mobilize their life around the purposes of God, not empty dreams that are just gonna end up. Eternal dreams. Let me finish quickly on the fifth one, quick. The final thing we're we're meant to, Mobilize our life around is that we need to be born. We are born to bear fruit. Born to bear fruit. You are part of the vine, you're a branch. A branch exists to bear fruit, to lay your life down. You were born to lay your life down. Love. No one has greater love than that, that they lay down their life so that they can bear fruit, fruit that will last. Eternal fruit. In Proverbs 11, verse 30, it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is extremely smart. The fruit, your fruit, is a tree of life, is eternal. And if you are involved in being fruitful and caring and loving and modelling your life after the purpose of God, that we have the same mind, the same attitude as Jesus Christ, as He laid down His life for His friends, so we too are called to lay down our life. Asking someone to Jesus, uh, to church sometimes, seems like the biggest sacrifice. Being willing to be a cell leader, a small group leader, to take care of people, to open up your home, to be a blessing—sometimes it's such a sacrifice. We have such arguments, so many arguments. I can't do this for Jesus. I'm busy. Why don't you do? I'm so—I'm busy, Pastor. I have three jobs. I have a kid. I have a life. I have sports. That's the argument. you got to cancel that. Let's stand. I'm going to read one more scripture to you as you're standing. Then I'm going to ask Pastor Vlad and Denise to come up. Being fruitful, Jesus said this in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything. That I have formed in you, form them in others, so that they may form them in others. So Jesus is looking for disciples who multiply disciples. I believe scripture teaches you are not a real disciple unless you're multiplying yourself. What does a branch do? It bears fruit. What is fruit? To eat? No. It has seeds. When it falls on the ground, it's meant to multiply of its own kind. We are branches. We bear fruit that multiplies. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to hungrygen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.